This episode of Lex Out Loud is brought to you by my patrons, readers, and listeners. If you'd like to learn how to support this podcast, visit LexStarWalker.com support. Welcome to episode 50 of Lex Out Loud, writing science fiction. I'm your host, Lex Starwalker. This show is a chronicle of my journey as a science fiction novelist. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. So glad you join me today. Always great to be back talking with you about writing and other related topics. Uh, at the beginning of the show, I thought I would give you a quick update on where I'm at. I haven't talked about it for a couple episodes now, I think. So I am still working on editing my novel, working on the second draft of Cylinder City One, which, which is not the final title. And uh, as of recording this today, I am 75% of the way through. So by the time you hear this, uh, there's a good chance I'll be done with the second draft and uh, thinking I might, I might take a week or so off uh, from editing after I finish the second draft. And then I'm going to jump into another revision for the third draft. Um, so I'm going to, I think the next episode, episode 51, I think I'll go into more detail on what I'm planning as far as my editing process and kind of what I'm focusing on with each revision. But right now I've been focusing on kind of big picture stuff. And then the next re revision for uh, version 3.0, uh, I'm going to start looking closer at the pros and, and trying to clean that up and pretty that up and, and tighten that up as much as I can. And right now I'm thinking when I have finished the third draft, that that, bleh, that will be the point that I send it off to alpha readers. And I just recently did an episode on, on what I consider an alpha reader and the difference between an alpha reader and a beta reader. So uh, check that out if you haven't heard it yet. But uh, yeah, I'm just really excited about, about all of this, about the whole process, and also continuing to gather thoughts and ideas about the second book, and so I'm thinking once I, I send the third draft out to the alphas, I am going to start writing the first draft of the second book, which if it's anything like this last book I wrote, uh, should take me about six months to get that first draft done, maybe even less. I, I think it might be even, I, I might get it done even more quickly because I did kind of have slow going at the beginning of the last book. Uh, through a combination of just not being that sure where I was going with the story and also uh, setting way too high of a writing goal for myself and, and not uh, consistently writing every day, uh, which I've talked about that a lot on the show in season two. Um, so I'm thinking this one, this next book may actually go a little more quickly because I feel like I already, and I haven't even started writing it yet, but I already feel like I have a much better kind of grasp of what this book is going to be and what I want to do with it than I did with the first one. And uh, also, you know, I have I have my writing goal dialed in now. 
So uh, I'm kind of excited to see what kind of progress I make on the second book and, and how quickly I can get that first draft done. Just a quick uh, aside here for any of you listening who maybe were fans of, of some of my previous podcasts, specifically Game Master's Journey, which was a tabletop RPG podcast uh, focusing on the role of the Game Master or GM. Um, I have been thinking about uh, resurrecting that show. I wrapped that show up a little over a year ago. And um, one of the big reasons that, that I quit producing that show was I, I was no longer running or I think even at that point playing any tabletop RPGs. And it seemed kind of impossible to do a very good show about being a GM when I wasn't myself uh, GMing. Um, I think it's been a couple months now, but but recently I started running uh, a game again. I, I've been running a, a Numenera game. And uh, so so I have been running something for the last month or two or three and um, just been thinking about maybe returning to the show. Um, I would definitely like to. I, I know there are a lot of there are still a lot of people subscribed to the show. Uh, I know there are new listeners coming in all the time. Uh, I just sent out my newsletter last week, and I got a really nice email from a listener of Game Master's Journey who I think discovered the show fairly recently. I don't. I don't think they've even listened to all the episodes yet. Um, so I know there are still people listening to it and, and getting, uh, value out of it. So I would definitely like to return to it. However, I did, gosh, I don't even remember how many episodes, I think close to 300 episodes of that show. And another reason that, that I ended it when I did was I kind of felt like I'd said everything I had to say about GMing at that point. And I didn't want to just keep rehashing old material. So if you are someone who would like to see more Game Master's Journey episodes, what I really need are good ideas for topics, for episodes. So if you're someone that, that would like to see, or I guess hear some more episodes, uh, if you have any ideas of things you'd like to hear discussed on the show, questions you'd like answered, things like that, um, let me know. Because right now, the, the really the only thing right now deciding whether or not I return to the show and when that happens is how many good episodes or how many good episodes, how many good ideas for episodes can I collect? Um, I have a few already. Uh, we've talked about this a little bit in the Discord, but uh, not enough that I'd feel comfortable relaunching the show because at this point, I think maybe I'd have two or three episodes to make and then I'd be out of ideas again. So yeah, if that's something that you'd like to see happen and you have any thoughts as far as topics I could discuss or questions I could answer, uh, please let me know. Uh, you can email me at gamemastersjourney at gmail.com or let me know in our Discord server. And I've started making a, a list of ideas people have given me and, and I've got a few good ideas so far, but again, not nearly enough to uh, to really make this uh, something worth doing. I don't want to just put out two or three episodes and then and then be done again. Um, so yeah, if you have any ideas, let me know. And um, just a couple things about that real quick. My intent, if I return to Game Master's Journey, is to kind of go back a little bit to more how I approach a show 
in the earlier seasons when it was a more kind of generic show, which is to say I wasn't really focused on a particular game or game system. In the more recent systems, in the more recent seasons, I became very focused on Dungeons and Dragons as a game because that's what I was playing. That's what I was running. Um, but I've heard from numerous listeners who've said uh, basically that the times that the show was most vi- valuable to them is when it was not so focused on one particular game, but but was more general GM content. So that is what I would like to do more of in the future. Um, so I am not going to be focusing on D&D anymore or for now. Um, and a big reason for that, other than just I want to keep it more general, is I'm I'm not playing D&D right now. I'm not running D&D. Uh, like I said, I, I'm running Numenera, and right now my thoughts are uh, when when I've had enough of Numenera and I want to do something different, I will probably run the Star Trek game again because I, I really enjoyed that, and uh, that's a world that I'm I'm very comfortable in. And kind of uh, a big thing for me right now as a GM is I have to run things that require very little prep because um, all of my time and energy is is really going towards uh, my novel writing. Um, so I, I don't want gaming to take away from that. So, so I need systems and I need settings that uh, I can prepare for games, you know, in less than an hour. Uh, so, you know, Numenera has a, a really easy system to run. Um, and I know the setting pretty well. And uh, Star Trek, I, I know that setting very well. So, um, you know, I, I, I probably won't really discuss Numenera specifically at all, uh, if I return to Game Master Journey, because I already did a whole podcast about that game called GM Intrusions. Um, when I return to Star Trek, I might, uh, talk about that a little bit, but probably not that much, if at all, because really what interested me about that game is the setting and the stories and, and not really the system. And, and again, I don't really want to get into system stuff so much anymore. I want to focus more on just, you know, the other aspects of being a GM other than knowing whatever system you're using really well. Things like storytelling and and stuff like that. Also, just to, to be completely clear, you know, I, I have this show, Lex Out Loud, and I have possibly Game Master's Journey if I return to producing that. And I I do not right now have the time to, in a given re- week, produce episodes for two podcasts. And the only reason I'm even considering returning to Game Master's Journey is that I've been thinking that um, I, I may not be able to maintain Lex Out Loud um, as a weekly show throughout the entire year of 2022. Just, um, I mean, I am going to be busy, but the real reason is it, it's hard to find things to talk about on the show. I've talked about how I don't want this to be a writing podcast in the sense of I'm going to teach you how to be a better writer because I think there are people far more qualified to do that out there than me. I think it would be a little pretentious of me to to do something like that. And right now, I, I've it, it's hard to think of things to say about what I'm working on that I haven't even are that I haven't already talked about. Um, Because I've already talked about the world building quite a bit, and I don't want to get in the plot things uh, because I don't want to spoil the books. 
Now, once these books start getting published and they start coming out and you can read them, then there'll be all kinds of stuff that we can talk about uh, with appropriate spoiler warnings for people that, that haven't read a given book yet. But right now, there's a little point in producing stuff that would need a spoiler warning when no one has read the book yet, if, if you see what I'm saying. So it, it does seem to me that, that at some point this year, uh, I'm going to start running out of topics to talk about on this show. And, you know, maybe I might start releasing episodes every other week or, or something like that. But I would like to put out content every week. So that's why I've been uh, considering maybe bringing back Game Master's Journey is on weeks that I don't really have a topic for Lex Out Loud. Um, I could do uh, an episode of Game Master's Journey. So, yeah. So, so I, I guess... The idea here is, is that if on a given week uh, there wasn't an episode of Lex Out Loud because I didn't have anything to talk about, hopefully there would be an episode of Game Master's Journey instead. So at least you'd have something to listen to. So that's the idea. That's the thought. That's kind of where I'm coming from. But again, this is all in the air. I, this isn't definitely going to happen. Um, I, I, As of now, I don't have enough ideas uh, to really warrant returning to the show but uh, I will continue to collect ideas as I think of them and as other people give them to me. And, you know, when that day comes that, that I do have enough, then, uh, then I'd like to return to it. So, yeah, if you have any thoughts or ideas, let me know. GameMastersJourney at gmail.com or uh, let me know in the RPG discussion channel on our Discord server. And you can find a link to the Discord server in the show notes for this episode at LexStarWalker.com slash L-O-L. So as I was just uh, mentioning, it's becoming a little more challenging as time goes on to find topics for, for the show right now as I'm in this weird um, limbo uh, uh, between uh, the beginning of this project and, and publication you know, as I start uh, looking for agents and things, you know, maybe I'll have more to talk about about that. I can share kind of my experiences with that. But as of now, I'm I'm just in the trenches editing. I'm going to be drafting again soon. So kind of looking for things to talk about on the show, maybe thinking a bit outside of the box. And so today I'm going to do something a little different and talk about something that, that is um, related to writing and, and what we talk about on the show, but but is a, a very different topic than anything I've talked about yet. Um, so today I'm going to talk about a passion of mine, a, a hobby of mine that I've only very recently got into. And if you're anything like me, this may be something that you know nothing about or very little about. I myself didn't know anything about this a couple months ago. And so what I want to talk about today are, is, are, what I want to talk about today is, the topic I want to discuss today is pens. There, there, now I'm clear on how to, how to structure that sentence. Pens, and specifically, fountain pens. So I very recently uh, got into the hobby of, of using a fountain pen. And now when I write a novel... Uh, I type it on a computer. Um, I don't sit there and, and write the thing longhand, but I do a lot of other things longhand. You know, I'm, I'm writing to-do lists. I'm, I'm writing notes. 
when I run tabletop RPGs, a lot of that prep is done longhand. So I do use pens a lot, even though I'm not writing novels with them per se. And I've only recently started using a fountain pen as opposed opposed to a ballpoint pen. And it's been a game changer for me. And, And it's something that is not only taking something I need to do, like writing things down and and making it um, less of a chore and more enjoyable, but it, it's something that's become just something in my life that I enjoy for, for its own sake. So it occurred to me that there are probably lots of people out there who are as ignor- ignorant about this as I was just a few short weeks ago. So I thought I would... Um, share my my love of, of this new hobby with you and um, kind of tell you a little bit about it and and why it's awesome and why um, it's something you might lo- lo- want to look into. If you're someone who's at all interested in the subject matter of this show, then I think there's a good chance that, that this is something you would really enjoy uh, just like I do. So it's kind of interesting how this happened. I, I was thinking back about this a while ago about how I even got to where I am right now. And there, there were basically three things that happened, three different vectors uh, that came into my life uh, in, in very rapid fire in a relatively short amount of time from very different places that, first of all, put the existence of fountain pens on my radar and, and then made me curious to learn more about them. So the first one was actually Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who is a woman I I very much admire for for a lot of reasons. And I saw something that that she'd said, and I think it was on Twitter. I saw where she mentioned that that she uses the fountain pen. You know, other than the fact that just I dig pens in general and and paper and things like that, just because I'm a writer and and a reader and and lover of, of all such things... Um, the thing that really grabbed my attention about that was she was talking about um, the environmental uh, side of it, which which I had never thought about before. But but she mentioned that using a fountain pen is is a more uh, environmentally responsible thing to do because once you buy a fountain pen, you have that fountain pen forever, and um, you're not putting things in landfills anymore. Uh, you you fill it with ink from a bottle, and you know those bottles are are usually glass or or at the very least recyclable plastic. So the bottles that the ink comes in can can be recycled, and you don't throw the pen away. So I don't even want to think about how many pens I've thrown in the trash throughout my life. It's it's a lot, I'm sure. So I thought, wow, that's a really good point. I never thought about that. I never thought about the fact that modern ballpoint pens are extremely wasteful and that there's an alternative that isn't nearly so wasteful or even at all wasteful. The second vector, uh, and again, these all happened within, I think, weeks of each other, which was which was very strange. It's like one of those moments of, of serendipity, uh, was I was reading a book by J. Michael Straczynski, which I've talked about on the show before, his, his uh, writing book. I think it's the title is something like Becoming a Writer, Staying a Writer. I've talked about that on the show before. And I'll link that in the show notes if you want to check that book out. It's a, it's a good book on uh, writing, uh, especially on the business side of it. 
But he had a bit of an aside in that book where he started talking about how he collected fountain pens and loved writing fountain pens. And, you know, AOC kind of hooked me in with the environmental aspect of it. And Straczynski hooked me in um, with kind of the the romance of it because he started talking about the history of the fountain pen and, and how a lot of the writers you admire probably use them, especially if you're talking about writers in the past, they, they almost definitely use them and, and how there, there's kind of this history and this kind of connection that, that all of these writers share in, in this tool that, that we've all used throughout hundreds of years of history and uh, it was very romantic and and cool and made me think about it more. And then the third thing that happened, or, or the third uh, vector, uh, was uh, my nephew who uh, wanted to start writing handwritten letters. And and turned out that that one of the reasons he wanted to do that was because he uses a fountain pen and and wanted a, a reason to use his fountain pen. So, you know, the first two, AOC and Straczynski, kind of got got my interest peaked. But then my nephew's really the one that got me into the hobby because, you know, him and I would would text back and forth and, and whatnot. And he started to educate me about it because he uses them and, and I didn't know anything about it. So I started asking him questions and, and he gave me resources and I started learning more about it. So I have always loved pens. I've always been a writer at heart and um, I've always loved studying and learning. I always in loved, I always in loved, I always enjoyed school. And, um, you know, I, I remember, I think it was around middle school when, when I started using a pen instead of a pencil because uh, in elementary school, if I remember right, they, they pretty much made you use a pencil all the time. They wouldn't let you use a pen. Uh, but, but at some point in school, I think it was somewhere in, in middle school, um, I finally started, you know, the, the teachers would let you use a pen. And I instantly much preferred a pen to a pencil and, and wanted to use a pen every chance I got as opposed to using a pencil. And you know, it, as soon as I started using pens, I always had, you know, my favorite pen or my favorite type of pen. Of course, I was always using ballpoint pens. I, at that point, I, I didn't even know there was any other kind of pen. And during high school, I remember my, I don't remember exactly what type it was called, but uh, my favorite type of pen was, was a pilot pen. And I don't remember what it was called. But I remember using that through high school. And then I think it was either towards the end of high school or definitely when I was in college, uh, Pilot came out with their G2 gel pen, which probably a lot of you, even if you don't know what that is from the name, uh, if you saw one, you would recognize it. They're one of the nicer, you know, mass produced ballpoint pens that, that you can buy. So a lot of you have probably used them and, and probably enjoy using them. That is, unless you use fountain pens. So I remember I, I used the, the Pilot G2 all through uh, college. If I remember right, uh, most places, like if you bought them at like Target or Walmart or something, a lot of times they were the fine points. And somewhere I found medium points and, and greatly preferred the medium points to the fine points. 
Uh, usually when you bought them, they were black ink. Uh, they did come in other colors, but the other colors were were harder to find. I, I think the first time I got the blue ones was in uh, my college bookstore. They they carried um, they they had they came in blue and red and green and and purple. So I remember at the time, you know, I got into using this pen. I thought I was quite sophisticated because I had my my preferred brand and model of pen, my preferred ballpoint size, and my preferred ink color. <laughs> I just thought I was uh, the cat's meow because I had figured it out. And uh, that was the pen I used all through college. I don't even want to think about how many pages of notes I wrote uh, getting my anthropology degree. I I've had a stack of notebooks I'd filled up with notes. So I use those pens a lot, but they're disposable pens. You know, you use it, the ink runs out, you throw it away, you buy another one. And it, at least as far as ballpoint pens go, they're pretty expensive. Now, I do know there's a distinction between ballpoint and gel pens, um, which honestly, I think that's more of a marketing thing because as far as I can tell, the, the gel pens are still using a ballpoint. It's still the same mechanics as far as how they work. Um, so in my mind, they're all ballpoint pens. Um, I don't need to uh, worry about the marketing hype to, to try to justify paying more for a ballpoint pen than another one. But uh, I never tried a fountain pen, never really knew much anything about them, um, never knew what I was missing. I now realize, and I thought I had tried one and I thought I hated it, but I now realize that I had once briefly tried what I thought at the time was a fountain pen and I hated it. Um, and I think that was in high school in, in my art class. I think someone had one, but what I actually tried was not a fountain pen at all. It was a calligraphy pen. It was a dip pen, but I thought it was a fountain pen. I didn't understand the difference. I didn't even know they were separate things. And I hated using that thing and I never wanted to use one again. So even if I heard someone say something about a fountain pen, I just was like, oh, I hate fountain pens and, and disregarded whatever they were saying. But like I said, I love pens. I, I love writing and I would collect pens. Um, my wife used to give me such a hard time because when we got married, I had this basket that was full of pens. I don't, it was probably like a hundred pens, more pens than I could ever use because I, I collected them. You know, I, I had quite a few jobs waiting tables. And so you would, as a waiter, you would tend to, to build up a collection of pens. And then for a while, I worked in a doctor's office. And I got a lot of different pens from the drug reps would come in. And they would have pens with, you know, their company's logo and whatnot on you for advertisement that they would give you. And a lot of times, you know, those pens were really... Um, creative in their shapes and their colors and whatnot. Like some were shaped like hypodermic needles or whatever. Um, so a lot of the pens in my collection came from that, but I had this basket full of pens and anytime I got my, felt my hands on a, a different pen that I'd never had before, I added it to the collection and then, you know, I would occasionally use them, but I was collecting them way faster than, than I could use them. And, and besides, um, most of those pens didn't write that great. So I tended to, to buy the, the Pilot G2s to write with and would just collect these other pens just to have them, I guess. I guess like anything you collect, it just sits there and collects dust and doesn't really serve a purpose. I do remember once or twice here and there, you know, briefly considering buying a quote nice pen because I, I knew that there were, you know, that you could go spend a ridiculous amount of money on a ballpoint pen 
it was like gold plated or something like that. And, and a few times throughout my life, I, I briefly considered that just because I like pens so much. I'm like, well, maybe I should get a nice pen. But anytime I, I looked into it, like they were so expensive. And at the end of the day, it was just a pen. Like other than maybe looking nicer, it, it didn't do anything cool. It didn't, it wasn't better in any way. It just cost more money and would be a lot more uh, painful if you lost it, which, you know, at that point in my life, I was in college, I, I lost a lot of pens, especially since I use those Pilot G2s. It's, a, it's amazing um, how those would just disappear on you if you didn't keep an eye on them. Um, and, you know, I never used those as a waiter. Uh, when, when you were a server, uh, at least most of the restaurants I worked at, you, you know, you would bring people their checks and you would have a handful of pens in your apron to give people with the check, you know, in case they play, paid with a credit card so they could sign the the slip or whatever. Um, and yeah, you never, you never gave out nice pens because they would disappear. People would just keep them. Like if you gave, if you use Pilot G2 pens for your server pens, you know, every shift you would have fewer and fewer pens because some people would just keep them because they'd be like, oh, this is a nice pen. I'm keeping this. So I would buy, you know, crappy Bic sticks or whatever, uh, to use for those because then I didn't care if people stole them and also people wouldn't steal them because they were just crappy big sticks. But, you know, being a, a college student, I would occasionally lose pens, even just legitimately lose them. They weren't stolen. And uh, so that kind of precluded spending real money on a pen that, that wasn't really in any real way better than what I was already using. Might even be worse. So the first, like pen that I got that was anything fancier than a Pilot G2 that was a pen I actually spent money on uh, was a, a Fisher Space Pen, which, which I've actually bought a few of those because I kept losing them. Because <laughs> uh, the whole reason I got that pen was to carry around in my pocket because um, they're pocket pens. So, you know, they're really small when they're capped and then you uncap and post it and then it's, you know, long enough to write with. They're also pretty cool because they were there actually are space pens. They were designed to be used by astronauts. So the ink cartridge is pressurized, which allows them, I mean, they're made to write in zero gravity, but also means here on Earth, they can write upside down, which, I mean, you hardly ever need to write upside down. But what is nice is they can write on a vertical surface. So let's say you have, say, like a calendar on your wall and you want to write on it. If you just use a regular ballpoint pen, um, after you write so much with it on the calendar on the wall, it'll stop writing um, because it's not designed to, to write on a vertical surface. It needs gravity to help pull the ink through the pen. Well, the, the space pen, it's pressurized, so you can write on a wall all day long and it'll never stop writing. Also, it can write on just about anything. Um, the ink is really permanent and will you know, adhere to most surfaces. It can write on things that are wet. Um, so at the time for something to carry around in my pocket and just always have a pen handy, uh, it was really nice and I didn't know any better. I thought it was really nice. And, uh, yeah, I, I think I've bought three of them, maybe four because I, I've lost a few of them cause they would, um, fall out of your pocket, especially if you're wearing shorts. Um, I know I lost one in a movie theater cause it fell out of my pocket while I was sitting in the movie theater. Um, so I started getting ones that had a clip on them and, and that helped, but you still tend to lose them. But yeah, those were the only fancy pens that weren't just some disposable pen that I'd ever bought. 
So as I said, you know, my, my nephew got me into it. Uh, he recommended a, a place where I could go and look at this stuff and, and see these things and buy them if I wanted to. Uh, Goulet pens, they're, they're on the internet. I'll have a link to them uh, in the show notes. But even more importantly, they have a YouTube channel, which I will also link in the show notes, with all kinds of videos uh, to teach you everything you need to know about fountain pens, about, you know, how they work, how to use them. Um, everything about them and as well as about the different types of pens and inks and things you, you can get. So um, I'm always looking for good content on YouTube and always running out of good content on YouTube. So uh, I spent quite a bit of time watching the Goulet Pens uh, videos and and learning all about it. And the more I learned, the more uh, I liked it. So fountain pens actually have a lot of advantages compared to uh, ballpoint pens because if if you start learning about fountain pens, probably the first thing you're going to learn or, or see is that, I mean, depending on the pen you get, but regardless, they are significantly more expensive than your cheapo Bic or um, what are the... What are, what are the other brands? Pen, Pentel or Penmate? I, I don't even remember anymore. But those, you know, the really cheap pens you buy in bags or boxes um, for pennies a piece. Um, you know, these are significantly more than that. So, of course, in, in, immediately the question is, why on, why on earth would I pay so much more for a pen? Is it really worth it? Um, so, like I said, they're, they're more economically responsible um, if you're using bottled ink, then there's almost no waste because the bottles are recyclable and a good fountain pen will last you a lifetime. So really there, if you're using bottled ink, there is zero waste of any kind. I don't want to know how many fountain pen or how many regular pens, ballpoint pens I've thrown in a landfill. A lot of them not even fully used up or have ended up in landfills. Cause, cause I remember, uh, I don't remember the exact day or what pen it was or anything, but I, I'm, well, I'm pretty sure it was a Pilot G2, but I remember the first time I used a pen all the way up. And I think it was actually in college because in high school, I could never hang on to a pen long enough for it to run out of ink. I would always lose them or someone would take it or something. Um, so I remember, I'm pretty sure it was in college, uh, the first time that I actually had a pen run out of ink on me because I managed to hold on to it until it ran out of ink. And I was very proud that I'd managed to do that. Um, and I think it was a Pilot G2 because just because that's when I started really keeping an eye on my pen because because those were more expensive. I didn't want to lose them. And, you know, I've run out numerous Pilot G2s, like completely used them up. Um, but there have been a lot of pens that, you know, I lose it or you just get sick of it and throw it away and it's got plenty of ink left in it. So they're, they're very wa- wasteful. And yeah, I, I already talked about, you know, some some of the history of them and how some of the great or a lot of the great writers in history or even all of them before a certain point use fountain pens. So just a tiny bit of a history lesson for you. Fountain pens are actually an improvement on older dip pens like quill pens. So you think about old timey people writing and you think about, you know, them writing with like a feather or with a quill pen. And those pens, you would have a bottle of ink and you would have to constantly dip the pen into ink. So the fountain pen improves on that design because the pen has a reservoir of ink within it. And so you don't have to constantly be dipping the pen into ink. And also your, your writing is consistent. With a dip pen, 
um, you dip it in ink and you start writing. And at first it's, it's really dark and beautiful, but as the pen starts running out of ink, it gets fainter and fainter and fainter until you dip it in ink again. So if you look at really old writings where they were using dip pens, you can see where, you know, they started running out of ink and the letters start getting a little more faded until they dip the pen again. With a fountain pen, you don't have that. It's always consistent. You're always getting a consistent flow of ink. So, you know, it's debated. We don't know for sure when the first fountain pens were developed and used. Uh, it's possible that the first fountain type pen, the first pen with the reservoir, may have been used uh, as early as Egypt in 974 CE. There's also evidence that um, Leonardo da Vinci uh, designed, built, and used uh, a reservoir fountain pen uh, during the Renaissance. Um, and that's pretty interesting. If you just go to a Wikipedia and search for fountain pen, you can read up about that. It's kind of interesting. Another cool thing about, about a fountain pen is, is a good one. I mean, like anything else, there's cheaper ones and, and nicer ones. But a nicer fountain pen actually appreciates in value, which is to say it tends to be worth more as time goes on, especially once it becomes, becomes something that's no longer made or maybe was limited in number from the very beginning. Um, so unlike, you know, your Bic stick, which as soon as you buy it becomes completely worthless, a good fountain pen could be worth more if you want to sell it in the future than it, than it was when you bought it. Or at the very least, you will be able to sell it for, you know, a significant amount of what you paid for it, you know, at least like half or whatever or more, depending on how nice of a pen it is and how well you took care of it, as opposed to a disposable ballpoint pen, which no one's ever going to buy a used ballpoint pen from you. Also, and, and this for me is one of the most important things, the writing experience is just so much better. Um, with a ballpoint pen, just the way it works, the physics of the pen, you have to push down on the pen against the paper and what you're writing on uh, to get the ink to come out. You have to put pressure on it. You have to press on it. Fountain pen requires no pressure at all other than the little bit that gravity puts on it. So you can hold your pen to the paper as lightly as you possibly can, and it'll write just fine. Now, I tend to press really hard when I write, so much so that if you turn the paper over, you know, you could feel the texture on the backside of the paper of what I wrote. Like, that's how hard I press when I write, and, and I always have. I always had problems with mechanical pencils because the leads would always break. I, I actually recently, uh, a few years ago, bought a mechanical pencil with thicker lead so that the lead wouldn't always break on me because I, I press so hard when I write. Um, so with, with a fountain pen, you don't have to do that. And, and I've only been using them for a month or two now. And already, I'm not pressing as hard when I write as I get used to that. And it means, you know, my, my hands used to always cramp up from writing. Like, like when I was in class for anthropology, like I'd have to be shaking out my hand every 10, 15 minutes because it would cramp up from writing. And by the end of a, you know, 50 minute class, it was like really sore. So with a fountain pen, I don't have that so much. And, and really the only reason I have it at all is because I still press harder than I need to just from habit. But it is getting better as I get more and more used to not having to do that. So I can write for longer before my hand gets sore or, or cramps or anything like that. And it just feels good. It just feels so much nicer to write with um, when you don't have to press down like that. Also, there are some really beautiful pens out there. I'm, I'm someone who really appreciates aesthetics. And I mean, there are some ridiculously beautiful pens out there. 
um, way better than, than anything you'd ever find in a ballpoint pen. And also, you can get a really nice pen for not a lot of money. Now, it will probably seem like a lot of money if you're used to buying big sticks and things like that. But over the long run, you know, if you keep and use that pen, they actually eventually become cheaper than even the cheap disposable pens, and you're having a much better experience. So, for example, my my first fountain pen was a Pilot Metropolitan that I got for $18, which, you know, if you, if you're used to ballpoint pens, that sounds like a lot of money for a pen. I can get over 88 milliliters, 88 mils of really nice ink for about $14. And that bottle of ink would fill my Metropolitan 108 times. So, of course, the longer you have your pen, the more value you get out of it. Um, you, you know, you you eventually pay off the pen with the money that you're, you're saving because um, the ink is so cheap. But honestly, for me, even if it, if it was the same cost or even if it costs more, it would still be worth it to me just to not, not be chucking all those plastic pens in the landfills anymore. Also, and this is even in a way, I think, um, especially for people like me, even more exciting than, than the really cool pens you can get is there are so many inks you can choose from. Like I thought the Pilot G2 was so cool because I could get five different colors if I went to a specialty store that carried them, there are hundreds, maybe even thousands of inks and colors to choose from. Every color you can imagine, any color you can imagine, any shade of any color you can imagine, there, there's an ink out there. For instance, I've been wanting a really good turquoise ink. I've, I've really been loving turquoise the last few years. And I've probably tried over 10 different shades of turquoise just trying to find the perfect shade to, to get a bottle of. And there are countless more I could try that I haven't tried. You can get inks that, that are one color but have a sheen in another color when the light hits them at the right angle and you look at them from a different angle. Like, like I have one ink that it looks blue, but when the light hits it right, it's red. Um, kind of like, uh, well, it's like iridescent, you know, kind of like a soap bubble or something like that or an oil slick. Um, you can get ink with like sparkles or glitter in it. Um, you can get ink that's waterproof, fast drying ink, invisible ink, glow in the dark ink, etc. All kinds of crazy stuff. So one thing really cool about this website my, my nephew told me about, Goulet Pens, is they sell little two milliliter samples of ink, um, which depending on the ink are, are $2 or less. Most of them are either $2 or $1.50. And two mils, it doesn't sound like a lot, but that's enough to, to fill a, a metropolitan like, like what I'd have. Uh, you can fill that up twice and have a little left over. So you can try as many of these as you want. You don't have to buy like a huge honking bottle of ink that's going to last you years. Uh, you can buy these little samples and, and try all different kinds of inks. I've tried close to 30 different ones so far, and I still have more I haven't tried that I, that I bought. There are also a lot more options when it comes to the point size of, of your nib. Um, you know, ballpoint and ballpoint pens, pens it's usually fine and, and medium and that's it. Or, or there might be a very fine. With fountain pens, there's way more options than that. You can control how smooth you want the writing to be or how much feedback or kind of scratchiness you want to have. And, and people have different preferences and you can get something that's exactly what you want. Personally, I, I like it really smooth. Uh, my wife likes a little more feedback. 
the nib of the pen, which is the part of the pen that puts the ink on the paper, uh, the metal part at the end, uh, is really important. Part of it's the size of that, anything from very fine up through fine, medium, broad, into your stub nibs and various italics. And those are uh, flat nibs instead of rounded that give you your calligraphy or gothic type writing where your downstroke is really thick and then your cross stroke is really thin. Um, that's what those nibs do. See, that was another thing I didn't understand. I thought all fountain pen nibs were like that, that you had to write like that. But that's only the the stub and the calligraphy nibs. If you get like just a medium or a fine nib, it's rounded and and the, the letters are the same uh, width, no matter whether you're writing up or down or diagonal or, or whatever. You can have nibs made of stainless steel or gold, um, various carats of gold, and, and they have different feels as well. And then the way that the, the nib is actually ground and constructed um, affects how it feels as well. And then you get into the paper. So not only is there the pen and the ink, but there's also the paper. My goodness. I found out I've been writing on shit paper my whole life and I didn't even know. I mean, I've gotten some really crappy paper and I knew it because you could practically see through it or it was really rough or or whatever. I remember when they st first started making recycled paper, like it was terrible. But I thought, you know, when I got a Mead notebook that that was good paper. Oh, no, it's shit paper. I've been using my whole life. I haven't tried a lot of papers. I, I've tried quite a few. Uh, my nephew... Uh, for the holidays, got me like this paper sampler that had a bunch of different kinds of paper that I could try, which was awesome. So I've, I don't know, probably tried around 10 different papers. Uh, the one I really like is by a company called Flair, Claire Fontaine. It's 90 gram paper. And it's actually one of the cheaper, quote, nice papers out there. I mean, you can spend a lot of money on paper if you want to. Um, but I just really like it. And, you know, it's, I, I like the way that it feels. It's, it's really smooth. Um, it's kind of thick, uh, which makes it feel nice. And also, you know, your ink doesn't bleed through. And I just really like it. But there's there's all kinds of paper out there with different properties that you can try. So the actual experience that you have and, and what that's like is, is a combination of the, the pen that you're using, the nib that's on that pen, the ink that you're using, and then the paper that you're writing on. So those are all variables or, or dials that you can adjust and tweak to get exactly what you're looking for for that moment, for that thing that you're writing. So I, I love this hobby. You know, I originally got into it thinking that, that I just have a, a better, you know, experience writing and, and my hand wouldn't cramp as much and things like that. But it has actually become something I really enjoy where now I look for excuses to write and, and use my fountain pens. Uh, I've started writing letters to people. I have some pen pals now. Uh, and a big part of that was because I wanted to use my fountain pen and I wanted to write. I used to never want to handwrite anything. I would type anything I could because I hated writing things by hand, but now I love it. So, you know, if, if you're curious about this and, and you want to dive into these waters and, and check all this out, I, I highly recommend the Goulet YouTube channel. I have it linked in the show notes and, and, you know, you can get educated there. But, you know, if you want to hear from me, some good places to start, some good pens to look at for a beginner, you know, a pilot, pilot Metropolitan like, like I had, um, also a Twisby Eco or Echo. Um, I have one of those too. Uh, Lamy Safari, or, you know, if you're really not sure and you really don't want to 
uh, drop much money into this. Uh, Pilot has a pen called a Varsity. It's about $5. It's disposable, but it's a fountain pen, so you you can check it out. Now, obviously, if you dig it, you want to get one that's not disposable, but but that's a way that you can try it out without having to spend more money. As far as nibs, I'd recommend a medium or a fine personally. Personally, I, I prefer medium, but uh, you know, there's a lot of options out there. So this is just something that, that brings me a lot of joy that I really love. And, you know, like I said, until a few weeks ago, I didn't know anything about it. So I thought I would share it with you. And, you know, I just think of all the writing I, I've done, especially when I was in college and high school. And I just wish I'd found out about this 30 years ago. I could have saved a lot of wear and tear on my hand and just uh, enjoyed all that note taking so much more than I did. I've spent my entire life writing with shitty pens on shitty paper, but no more. So anyway, my goal here isn't so much to sell you on fountain pens, rather to just share something that I love with you that I think a lot of other writers uh, would love too, if you're not already into it, which chances are good you you may be. Um, If you are, let me know uh, what your favorite pen is and what your favorite ink is. That'd be cool. And what kind of nib you use. It'd be cool to see what, what people like out there. If you want to know more, again, I, I highly recommend the Goulet Pen's uh, YouTube channel and website. Otherwise, you know, you can hit me up in Discord if you have questions or, or want to talk about it. And uh, I'm always happy to talk about fountain pens and inks and, and all that stuff anytime. So uh, that's going to wrap it up for me. I'm, I'm kind of speeding through the end here because uh, it sounds like one of the neighbors is is getting some roofing done. So apologies if you're hearing tools and banging and whatnot in, in the background. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of that going on lately. All, all the houses here were built at the same time. So everybody suddenly needs new roofs at the same time. So uh, if you would like to get a hold of me, you can email me at LexOutLoudPodcast at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at LexStarWalker. You can call my voicemail, 951-465-5391. And finally, you can join my community on Discord. Links to that in the show notes at LexStarWalker.com slash LOL. I will be back soon with another episode. And until then, keep writing, maybe with your fancy fountain pen.